with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And the title is, We Remember. And this is a second part of what I shared last week. And I wasn't planning on doing this, but after last two week's message, um, I felt like the Lord kind of dropped this into my heart. So um, I hope that I can articulate it as well as he has dropped it in me. But I will tell you, I'm so excited about it that I'm not sure that I'll speak it outright. <laughs> so if I don't, we'll just trust that the Holy Spirit will take the words and make sense to you. <clears throat> so last week we looked at when God identified himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And we learned that God did this so that we would remember who God was and is and always will be in his love and faithfulness to his people. We see this in Genesis chapter one and not this, but we talked about him being the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I want you to see how he started with Abraham. OK, so that brings us to Genesis chapter 12, verse one. Now, the Lord said to Abram and his name is Abram here. A-B-R-A-M, because God hasn't changed it yet. We know him as Father Abraham, but it's Abram right now. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then verse 4, and this is key. Abram went. Everybody say went. Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. All right, so he's not a young pup right now, okay? And yet God makes these promises to him. So the beginning of God calling Abram is to call him out from something. So he calls him out from where he's living, from the family that he's at. And, but that's the first aspect. He calls him from something, but then he calls him to something. And he calls him to a land that he's going to give him that Abram doesn't know any place he doesn't know where it is. He doesn't know how long it's going to take to get there. He doesn't know the direction of it. All he has is to believe God for this. But the main scripture is 12.4, Abram went. Okay? So he left. So he's finding his calling. He's leaving. But at the same time, he's going somewhere. Okay? And if he were to go, these are the promises that God made to him. And there's four of them. God would make him into a great nation. God would bless Abram personally. It wasn't just that he would bless everybody else and Abram wouldn't be. He was going to bless him personally. God would make Abram's name great so that he would be a blessing. Okay? And then in Abram's obedience, God would bless all the nations all, or all the families of the world. Okay? So these are the promises God made with Abraham or Abram if he would obey, and he did. Thus we have Father Abraham. And so 
the scriptures, if you keep reading, it says that God brought him to the land of Canaan, had him parked there, told him this is going to be your place. Um, and so God calls him out, takes him to the land that, to, that he's going to give him. But here's the interesting thing. And, and this is the thing. This is how God works. And sometimes we try and figure him out. We try and put him in a box and we think that, okay, if God has called me, everything's going to be great. God calls him. He leaves. He goes to the land that God is going to give him. God tells him to look around. And then a famine comes and God tells him to leave. Now, why couldn't he stay? I don't know, but God had him leave. I mean, we'll see why he left. But this is part of Abram's faith test with many more to come. You know, the first faith test was him, are you going to leave? He left. Now he arrives. Okay, I'm showing you this land. Now I want you to leave again. God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Here's the amazing thing. When, when they come back from Egypt, they are so blessed that they have to separate. Okay? They come back to Canaan, and God has blessed him and Lot, his nephew, so much so that at one point in the story, they have to separate. And Abram tells Lot, he says, Lot, you pick the land you want. He says, we're going to have to separate. You pick the land you want. Whatever land you don't pick, I'll take. So he gave him first choice. So Lot does that. But let me read to you Genesis 13, 1 and 2. Now Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. And this is part of Canaan. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. He was what? Very rich in all of these. And part of the reason that him and um, Lot had to separate is because their livestock was so great, so massive, that they had to have their own land. Now, this is the personal blessing of Abraham. And God is still working to create in him a nation later on. Genesis 13, 14. It says this. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that you can count the dust so that you so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also will be can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So now he's telling them. Okay, as far as you can see, every direction you look, it's going to be yours. And then he tells them, I want you to look at it. Go, go walk it. Don't know how long that took them, but I'm sure it took them a while. Genesis chapter 15. Now, there's some things that are taking place. No big deal, but I just want to get to this story. Genesis 15, 
remember the promise was that God would give him a son, that God would make a nation out of him. But this was at the age of 75. That means Sarah is 65. And they don't have a child of their own. So here's what happens. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And let me just pause there for a moment. What is his reward? His reward is because of his obedience. Because he was willing to lead. Because he was willing to go where God wanted him to go, not knowing where God wanted him to go. Okay, He, he stepped out in faith. Verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And so what is happening is, is there's no uh, child, there's no son that he has. And so this Eliezer is a, a servant of his, and he would be the one in line to receive the inheritance of Abram if anything happened to him. And so he's bringing this up before the Lord. Verse 3, And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to counted it to him as righteousness. And so. As he's doing this, I just want to explain this to you. The weight is on. <laughs> we don't know how many years this is right now, but there. Remember, he got called at 75 and he was obedient to that. But the weight is on. And I'm going to tell you, if God is going to use you, the weight is going to come to your life as well. There are going to be times when you're ready to go. You're wanting things to get done. And God says, not yet. And you're going to have to wait. And we have to be willing to do that. Are we able to trust God in light of opposite circumstances? When, when things begin to look impossible. And when that happens, here's what we have to do. We have to remember we have to remember who God is. We have to remember the promises that he has for us. And if you read also, you find out that God also tells Abram, he says, hey, your descendants are going to have to go down into a foreign land and they're going to become slaves. But then after 400 years, I'm going to bring them out. He's talking about Egypt. Okay, so the weight is on, but Abram is responding appropriately and I just want to encourage us that we have to as well. Because God will call us out from something, but he also calls us to something. And we have to remember all of that so that we don't lose heart. For us personally, he calls us out of the world. He calls us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of the son he loves. And just as it was for Abram, he was tested. So it is going to be with us as well. We are going to be tested. If you think that you're going to have faith in God and it's not going to be tested, you're wrong. And the test will raise doubts for us. 
Otherwise, it really wouldn't be a test, right? <laughs> God calls us out. God called him out. Gives him great promises. Gives us great promises. Then allows a famine to come and send them to go to Egypt. And Egypt is not part of the promised land. Okay? And this is some time gone by. Or actually, this one was for Abram and Lot. But there was a famine later that was going to take his whole family down there. And God was going to bring them out because God promised that. He said, you're going to go down to foreign land. He says, but when I deliver them out, when I bring them out, they're going to come out with great riches. And they did. Okay. So when we give our lives to Jesus, he calls us out and then the testings begin. Okay. That is why it is so important for us to remember. Remember who God is. Remember his promises. We, we need to remember he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We need to remember that he was and is and always will be. We have to remember that he changes not. He's, he is the same. He, is, he loves us and he's faithful. And that's the way he is. And we have to remember that. Again, I, re, I remind you that it's easy for us to forget. Us humans have a great ability to forget. And yet God has placed the Holy Spirit in us so that we would remember. The Holy Spirit would bring to our remembrance. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. Now, I want us to see something in this as well. Abram was not great at this moment. There was nothing great about him. Okay? But God said, I'm going to make you great. And so I want to encourage you with this, that God doesn't call great people to do great things. He calls ordinary people, unlikely people, unsuspecting people. Okay? He calls them to do great things through them as he invites them and as he invites us out and then to something. Okay? When we answer the call of salvation, when we realize how much God has loved us and the forgiveness that he offers us through Jesus Christ, and we answer that, then God automatically places us in the pathway of greatness. Okay? And it's not about becoming great all of a sudden. It doesn't happen like that. It's a process. But we allow him to become great in us. That, that's the process. He's called us to greatness, but he's the one who's great in us. And if we'll remember him calling us out and calling us to himself, then we'll begin to realize that God has begun to do the impossible in and through us. In Genesis chapter 17, we come to the time when Abram is 99 years old. He got called at 75. He's 99 now. In between here, um, Sarah came up with a plan to let him sleep, let Abram sleep with his her maidservant, and they had a, a child, but that's not the child of promise. And so there's issues there, but now in Genesis 17, 1, we read, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, 
I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And that huh, in there is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. So how long is this covenant going to last? It's everlasting. And this is the covenant. You ready? To be God to you and to your offspring after you. Isn't that awesome? To be God to you and to your offspring after you. That is so amazing to me. I love that. God promises to Abraham, I'm going to be with your children the rest of their lives. Whew. Verse 8, and I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourns, sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout the generations. And then skip down to 15. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. And so, um, he's 99, she's 89. And God says, look, I promised you this, it's going to happen. I want to encourage you with that because sometimes in our lives it doesn't look like what we had hoped for, what we had planned for, what we had prayed for is going to come about. But if we'll just stay faithful with God, if we'll start, if we'll keep walking with Him, He will make a difference. Okay? Don't give up. There is the waiting that is always going to have to take place with God. But it's well worth the wait. If we will remember When we forget, when we fail to remember who God is, who, who He was, who He is, who He always will be, we can begin to panic. And when we panic, we try and help God out. That's what Abram and Sarai did when they had Ishmael. They tried to help God out. Can I tell you something? God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help in bringing His promises. He does need our cooperation, but He doesn't need us to help Him. He needs our obedience. Okay? He needs, this is the best way to help God is to remember and trust Him and His ways. Even when it doesn't look like His promises are, are going to come to pass or that they're even able to come to pass. He's looking for us to trust Him as we walk in obedience. And this reminds me of Moses. We kind of touched on him last week too. And we're going to look there as well, but 
Remember, Moses was 40 years old when he got sent out into the wilderness. He got sent out into the wilderness because he tried to help deliver the uh, Israelites from the Egyptians when he killed the Egyptian who was tormenting the Israelites. Okay? Now, from an early age, he knew that he was going to be a deliverer for the nation of Israel. He knew he was going to deliver his people, but yet he's living in Pharaoh's land. He's living basically in his house. Everything is under his charge. Okay? But he has, he does this by impulse. He has to, he's sent out at the age of 40. He's got another 40 years to spend. Okay? Out in the wilderness. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. And this is what he says in Exodus 3.6. You don't have to turn there. Matter of fact, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 11, I would prefer that. But in Exodus 3.6, and we read this last week, it says, and he said, God, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. What we have in this situation is the burning bush experience that Moses had. Now, this was a phenomenon because they're used to having burning bushes experiences in the wilderness, but not like this. They're used to seeing bushes catch on fire and burn up and disappear. But this one caught on fire, but it didn't disappear. Okay, so this, Moses knew that there was something different about this. So when he turns and God reveals himself to him, God identifies himself. And, and I just want to pose this to you. At the age of 40, he wasn't the deliverer. He gets sent out into the wilderness. He's 80 years old now. Now God shows up to him. And I believe that God speaks to him like this because he's reminding him, number one, of who God is in Moses' life. But number two, I believe that he's reminding Moses of who Moses is in God. And God hasn't rejected Moses. God hasn't turned his back on Moses. Okay? He's getting ready to release him to go be the deliverer for the nation of Israel from the Egyptians. And that's no easy feat at all. That's not something light to have happen. And so I believe that in all of this, God does all that he speaks to Moses in this way because he's trying to remind Moses of who God is and then to remind Moses of who Moses is in God when you walk with me. In Romans 11, I had to turn there. Mm. When I was thinking of Moses in this situation, then this scripture came to my remembrance. Romans eleven twenty nine says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Paul penned this, but I think he may have had Moses in mind on this. I think he may have had Abraham in mind. I, I think he may have had Jacob in mind, Isaac in mind. Because God promises us things, and then we go through the process of allowing him to change us and to become more and more like him. And, and I, I believe that we see this, that we have to remember. It's imperative that we remind ourselves of who God is. 
There are times in our lives when things aren't going to go well. They're not going to look well. We sang the song about how God takes the evil that was meant towards us and he takes it and he turns it around for our good. We have the story of Joseph who says at the end towards his brothers after you know they wanted to kill him and then they spared him and um, he ends up being uh, down in Egypt and, and takes care of them. And he tells his brother, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. That's a heart that has been transformed by God. And his life, Joseph's life wasn't easy as well. But, you know, Joseph is in line with all of these, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, because he's a son of Jacob. He's part of the promise. And yet he went through, if pardon my French, but he went through hell. His life was not great. His, his brothers didn't like him. Uh, he got sold as a slave. I mean, it's horrible what happened to him. And yet, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You see, sometimes we look at things in the natural and we gauge things in the natural, but God's looking at it in the spiritual realm. He's looking at it concerning what his promise was to us. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning. Don't give up. Even when things don't seem to be going your way, even when things seem to be going in the wrong direction as they did in the life of uh, Joseph, I mean, he did everything great, but he just kept going down, 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 deeper into the hole. But God had a plan for his life, and, and God never forsake him. God never turned his back on him, and he won't with us. And if you will remember the, the, when God called you, and, and remember as you've walked with God, the different promises that God has made to you, you need to stand on them. You need to make sure that you're remembering them. Don't be looking at your circumstances. Don't be trying to figure out things according to what you see in the natural. Trust God. And you trust God by remembering what he said. Amen? Amen. All right. Why don't you stand with me? There's power in remembering. But as I mentioned last week as well, as believers, we have to make sure that we're remembering the right thing. <laughs> because we can remember all the different things that people have done to us. We can remember all the horrible uh, things we had to go through at the hands of this world. We can, our, our memory can it remembers a lot, but God gives us a choice of what we're going to remember. And I want to encourage you to remember his promises for your life. And if you don't know him, get into the word and find out what he's promised in his word and begin to believe that for your life. When you're going through trials, 
you can remember that he promises never to leave us or forsake us. You can stand on that. When it looks bleak, you can stand on that. That when you're thrown into the fire, he's going to get in the fire with you. We can remember that. And it's when we fail to remember that, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. And it's those types of stories that we see in the scripture that help us to remember. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you've been so faithful to your people through all these generations. And Lord, you did it so that we could remember. Father, it's easy to remember all the bad things that have happened and all the difficult things we've gone through. But Lord, we need to remember you. We need to remember your promises. We need to remember your love and your faithfulness to us. And I pray that you would stir up the Holy Spirit within us that when we start heading in the wrong direction, you would bring us back to the right direction. That you would remind us and that we would make it, a, make it the effort to remind ourselves that you are faithful. Because God, you have a plan. You have a purpose. And you're working all things out for our good. And what the enemy means for evil, you plan to turn it around for our good. Father, help us to remember that all the time. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen.